Hello and welcome to episode 1043 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Friday, April 22nd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. We're rocking a little early, uh, so I'm a little sleepy, but other than that, mm. I'm doing great. How about yourself? Yeah, just a, just a little tired uh, going Every early. Day on the, tap, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking the kid. We're playing hooky from uh, real world work and school and uh, going to take uh, them to Six Flags. So That's excellent. It's, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, they're, they're super excited. They were supposed to go back in 2020. And of course, what COVID happened? hit. Yeah, yeah. So we've, we've been just putting it off, putting it off. And finally, I was like, you know what? Let's just go. Let's go do it while everybody else is still in school and exactly. the park is empty. And uh, so we're going to go have a fun day. So if that you're at uh, Six Flags uh, Discovery Kingdom today, you may run into me. Keep, keep an eye out, but be polite. Um, <laughs> yeah, and hopefully the weather stays at bay. I know you guys have been having a little bit of rain. But uh, that should be a lot of fun. So hopefully you enjoy that. But let's get into our baseball talk then. We got a couple bits of news, and then we're going to get into the shallow league potential cuts that I hinted at on Tuesday. Just some guys that you know we've talked about it before. You you quit twelves. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm only in two, and one of the reasons is is that we're so fifteen team focused that we have a difficult time managing 12s, specifically with players to cut. At least that's my biggest hurdle. I don't want to speak for you, but that was my biggest hurdle is I see a guy in a 12 that I'm like, maybe I could cut him, but but then I think about how in a 15 I would never cut that guy. And it's like obviously that three-team difference is massive, but managing that and going in between the two can be difficult. So I respect what you did, and my friend Greg did the same thing. Y'all both just said, I'm out on 12s this year. I just want to do the one type. So I get it. But we're going to try to help those who are in 10s and 12s figure out some guys that they need to cut. Because, Justin, one of the things is you can cut somebody and not necessarily be out on them, right? It's mm-hmm. not an indictment of like, oh, they suck. But you can't really be patient for a month to six weeks in 10s and 12s with kind of your, like, say, 15th round and later guys. You got to start churning. And if they're playing terribly, you got to jump in and make a move. So we're going to talk about a bunch of guys. Yeah, and that's uh, been my my Achilles heel is I tend to be much more passive and patient, and that bites me in, in 12-team leagues. So I've been much more successful in the 15s. I still do the 12-team DCs, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and so I get a little bit of the practice with the, you know, setting my lineups and stuff, like, you know, the times where it's like, oh, man, I, I have to bench Glaber Torres. I, I mean, it did all last season. Yeah, so some of the guys that you put on your bench too, that's another aspect. And it's it like, seems so weird, uh, you know, but uh yeah, let, let's let's get into it. I'm I'm ready to uh discuss some guys you probably should be cutting in those shallower formats. All right, let's get into it here after a couple bits of news. Let's start with Luis Urias coming back uh on a rehab stint from his spring injury. This was a guy I loved coming into the year, and when when he hit that quad injury, really pushed him down my board because we knew he was gonna miss time and you know, what we're coming up on three, four weeks. If he's going to have a little bit of a, uh, a rehab stint, it's going to end up being around that four or five weeks. And that was something that I didn't really want to take. So I kind of stuck with the shares I had, and I wasn't really adding him come main event time because of the missed time. In those aforementioned 10s and 12s, are you going out and looking for Arias right now to see if he's uh, if he's still out there? 
um, maybe in a shallower situation like ESPN where you only have three reserves and a couple ILs. Is Arias somebody you're ready to jump on? What, what, what was your outlook on him this year before the injury? I mean, I really liked him before the injury. Uh, I was definitely uh, ahead of the market in terms of uh, where he was going in ADP. Uh, love the triple eligibility. I really felt like he could keep all the power gains that we saw last year, plus kind of get back some of the batting average that he, he gave up to get those power gains. Um, and so it was really, really disappointing to see him get hurt. And like you, I kind of uh, avoided him in later drafts uh, just because I didn't want to take the risk. And thank God I did because a lot of my other players on other teams got hurt. And, and I think that fight injury. This is exactly why I don't do it. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, so, I mean, it kind of depends on what your team looks like. If you are in good shape, he's a great player to add right now uh, in the leagues that he's available because he gives you that triple eligibility yeah, uh, and the ability to just add a little bit more flexibility to your roster. But if your roster doesn't have much flexibility already because there's already injuries, you know, I, I can't rationalize cutting a um, a Chris Sale for him or, or someone like that that might be, uh, you know, an upper tier player. Jack Flaherty. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm still not. Jack Flaherty. Yeah, I mean, I like I'd cut. You know, you Trevor Bauer. If, if you've been holding yeah. on to him, you know, the news came out today that he's uh, kicking the can they, down the curb. And I think they're just going to continue the rest, of the, you know, at least for quite a while. Uh, so, like, guys like that that may be out a really I, long I got time. For you. Yeah. Would you cut O'Neill Cruz to pick up Arias? Oh, this is a really good question because I saw some people talking about how much O'Neill Cruz is struggling in the minors right mm-hmm. now. Um, I think in a shallower format, I would. Yeah, because that's all. That's the only place he's going to really be available. Tens and twelves yeah. for Luis Arias. So you're talking shower, fifteen teams. I don't think he's really available. Check your wire, as always. Mm-hmm. But I don't really think he's going to be available. So I think I'd cut Cruz at this point. You tried to wait it out a bit. I, I'm I'm moving on personally. Yeah, I'm I'm I still like trying to hold him in the leagues that I've got him, but uh, I completely understand people wanting to move on. I mean, he's striking out like a twenty eight percent clip in AAA. Uh, and does have we, four steals though in five attempts, so he is yeah. running in those 11 games so far. So, you know, again, even if you cut somebody like Cruz, that's a great example of just because I'm cutting him doesn't mean I'm out and I might circle back and try to get him in fab, even though I got to pay up now when he does come up. So, I, I would probably wait a week only because, I'm, yeah, on Cruz, because only you know, Urias is uh, gonna be you know, probably on a rehab assignment for the next week or two anyways. Yeah. Um, and the deadline, I believe, for the extra year of service time is the 24th or 25th of April. Of April. This weekend or Monday. Yeah. And okay. so, like, this is the time, like, if you think there's a guy that might get called up um, after that deadline passes, like, this is the fab run to take those darts so you don't have to spend the extra money. I mean, if you're not an NFBC, obviously when you're for an NFBC, you can't pick up those guys until they debut. But like, Unless he was drafted and then cut. O'Neill Cruz could have been drafted and this cut, is true. and then he's available to you. That's the way you can get a minor leaguer before, the, before they come mm-hmm. up. So, But this is the time to take those dart throws in the hopes that they're up next week. So like, if you're thinking, hey, you know, uh, Nolan Gorman has been super hot in AAA, 
you know, now's the time to take that dart throw if he's not rostered. So, um, yeah, I can, I can get behind that. So yeah. I might wait just a week on dropping on curls in case, like, if he has, has a hot weekend. I mean, the stats are so small sample right now. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, two, four for four days. Not even. I, yeah. I, I think a, a couple, a two for four and a three for four with yeah. a homer in each. And his numbers are completely flipped for O'Neill Cruz. So uh, we move from Arias to Cruz there. I will say on on uh, Arias, Jace Peterson, he, you weren't getting much out of him anyway, but maybe yeah. in like an NL only if you were hanging on to him because he was playing it a, a little bit. He gone. He has a 30 WRC plus. He's the one that's going to get kicked out. And then going back to O'Neill Cruz, um, Kevin Newman has a 75 WRC plus. So there's an avenue there. If O'Neill Cruz gets his numbers up, he could be up. So yep. keep an eye on both. I, I like what you're saying though about try not to cut Cruz if you can afford it to to get Arias if that's the only guy you can and you want uh, Arias I get it but um, I like that point about at least waiting through the weekend to try to see if he's one of those first call ups especially if he has a big weekend yeah all right last bit of news here John Gray going back to the IL with a knee is he a cut in all formats. Well, I don't think like so the the Rangers said they don't expect him to miss much time. Okay, so you're not so, too panicked about this. I mean, I I don't love to see it. He just came off the IL with a blister yeah. issue. Like, and, and now he's going with a knee, by the way. Yeah, it is different yeah. situations. So, I mean, it's it's good. It's not an arm issue, right? It's not a shoulder. It's not an elbow or anything like that. But I, I, I want him to be on the field and producing for me and not spending half of the season on the IL. So, okay, he only expects to miss one start. I, 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 yeah, I haven't so, seen that. So, I, I, I feel that. Tens, I'd still cut him, though. I'd still cut John Gray and go for somebody else in a 10 just because I'm burning and churning there. Yeah, I think that's fair. Glenn Otto is coming up to start today, a guy I really do like, but mm-hmm. it might be short-term. However, I would say there's room for both. If 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 Glenn Otto has a good start, then I think somebody else needs to be looking over their shoulder when Gray comes back, like a Taylor Hearn who got uh, who got roughed yeah. up a little bit. I like I like Taylor Hearn. I got some I got some interest in him. But I think he might need to be looking over his back. Um, I think they'll probably keep starting Martin Perez, but we'll we'll see. I, I like Lenato. They could move to a six man too. Exactly. Um, uh, and Spencer Howard. Guys. Spencer Howard is due back on Sunday, so okay. um, you know the, it'll well, it get a little crowded. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, he might just get the, the the one and done. But he showed he showed some things last year. The nine twenty six ERA. You're like, what are you talking about? Three eighty two Sierra though. The underlying skills were there. He had a 423 BABIP that really tainted those 23 innings for Glenn Otto. Um, so don't necessarily cut Gray if you don't have to. I was a little preemptive there. Good call out on um, it just being a short-term issue. All right, let's talk some shallow league potential cuts here. And we'll go through, we'll talk about their roster rate over at ESPN and Yahoo, which caters to shallower formats. And then we'll bring up some alternatives um, that you might go for in their stead. Let's start with somebody. This is tough for me. Okay, you you know that I don't I don't like bringing this one up, but I gotta be honest. I think in shallow leagues, you could move on from Jose Urquidy if you found somebody on the wire that you really liked. Um, seven ERA, one forty four WHIP. Obviously, the numbers I cite they're all small samples. I grant that, but the underlying skills: seven eight uh, percent strikeout minus walk rate with a five percent swinging strike. It's nine innings, two starts, but it is two very bad starts. 
And he was already a guy that in shower leagues, you need the ratios because we're not expecting a huge K rate. I've talked about how I do believe he has some strikeout upside, but is not part of the package inherently. Is Jose Arquiti at uh, 82% Yahoo, 76% ESPN? Is he over rostered? Absolutely. Um, and he was over rostered from the get go. But uh, I mean, I've never been a Jose Arquiti guy. I've never really understood the love. For him, I, I know pretty straightforward. I mean, I know people always thought he was going to take another step, but he was a guy who just didn't strike enough people out to really be viable, especially in shallower formats. And, okay, but let, let's let's circle back here. Let's uh, mm-hmm. dump these nine innings real quick. Yeah, 177 and two thirds with a 355 102. 102 whip is legitimately elite. So you're getting quality ratios, one of them elite. And then 21% K, 5% walk, but with an 11% swinging strike rate, that suggests that it's not impossible to to bounce to bounce up that uh, that that strikeout rate. The general rule of thumb is that you can be between two and two and a half of your swinging strike rate. You multiply that by two two to two and a half to get your strikeout rate. On the upside, we're looking at 27, 28% there with an 11.4 mark. So. Again, it was never part of the package of like, oh, Urquidy's got K's. But for me, it was, give me some health. And I think the K's could trickle up and the ratios are already great. So I'm I'm obviously a big fan. I'm not cutting him in my deeper leagues. But I think the, the use case of why people liked him was pretty straightforward, personally. Yeah, I just never really bought in. Um, you don't like and- 102 whips? Not when it comes with very little strikeouts and a lot of health risk. I mean, Judas had a real hard time staying on the mound. And that's true, too, um, but that's all built into the price. Yeah, well, the price was fine this year. Um, I just I just wasn't there for it. Uh, and uh, I think he's a cut in probably every format, to be honest. Oh, I think you're making a big mistake if you like, cut him in 15s right now. I, th- I, think he, I think he's one of those guys that we talk about, like, he needs to be on 18. He doesn't necessarily need to be on your team. It's only um, one bad start, though, too. The first one was five innings, one run. The other was four innings, mm-hmm. six runs. It's just that there's two strikeouts in both for Akiti. Yeah, that's uh, which hard is creating part. a bit of an issue. But I would not cut him in deeper leagues personally. Justin would. Mm-hmm. I would stick around and at least see where this goes for a I mean, more. In, in, a deeper league, in a deeper league, it's all dependent on who's available, right? Like, exactly. can, you, can you get someone worth picking up? Uh, so... Um, obvious, you know, right now he's healthy, which is great. We want to see him stay on the mound. So, uh, you know, if you were a believer before the start of the season, this that shouldn't necessarily make you a disbeliever. No. Um, but, uh, and I, I feel that way about a lot of guys. If you believe strongly in someone prior to the season, unless you've seen something like huge velocity drop or, um, you know, real change in skills, you know, don't become a disbeliever, but I, I'm I was never a believer of this, and so it's a little bit of negative confirmation bias here for me. Yeah, I, I am a believer, but I would still be open to cutting Arkiti in tens and twelves. Um, because he's a little high too highly rostered right now. You can make a move somewhere else and then maybe circle back to him. He's got uh let's see here, Arkiti has Seattle and should be Detroit. They have undecided for their um, four games against Detroit. Oh, is that at home? I might need to try to go to Houston next weekend. Or no, that's two. That's, pardon me. 
That's two weekends down the line. Next week, he gets a trip to Texas, and then it's a two-start. Sorry, I had my uh, I had my Rotowire uh, projected starters sheet wrong. So at Texas, not the best place to get right right now. That team is hitting well, and they don't strike out a ton. So I don't know that that's going to be the the place that, uh, that Arkady fixes himself. So we'll see how that goes, and we'll kind of keep monitoring him. But I understand right now if you want to move on. Hunjin Ryu is on the IL, so if you've got the IL spot, go ahead and just keep them there if you'd like. But IL spots are starting to pile up, and a lot of leagues don't use unlimited. You know, a lot of leagues have between, like, two and four. And it's very plausible that you've already got those filled up with higher priority guys. Putting Ryu on the chopping block, it's expected that he's going to miss two to three starts, you know, a couple weeks here. Um we talked about how, you know, Hunjin Ryu had a rough year last year off the field, too, because he wasn't being able to see his family. And I know some people balked at that, but I think I think there's room for that to be plausible and, and it to also not be just an automatic fix, right? Like, he could still be having skill degradation while also being happy that he gets to see his family again, right? Because mm-hmm. um, his strikeout rate is way down, 14%, 7% swinging strike rate. Walk rate's still great though, but he's living in the zone with with weaker stuff and getting hit around seven and a third innings, two starts again here. So we're we're working on tiny tiny samples, but both of his starts were bad. Hunjin Ryu, you cutting him at a uh, given that he's at fifty six percent Yahoo, seventy seven percent ESPN. Yeah, I think in shallower leagues, there's just so many other options um, on, on the waiver wire. Like, go get a Blackburn, go get. You know, those kind of guys that are still out there. I'm even debating cutting him in 15. So if I'm debating him, debating cutting him in 15s, and I think it's a foregone conclusion, he should probably be gone in in just about every 10 and 12. Um, I know they said he's only going to miss a few turns in the rotation, but I think this is potentially season ending. And oh, really? This oh, guy's no, previous Tommy John, like I, just I don't I don't love these kind of yeah, injuries. Forearm inflammation, which can be a yeah. precursor. So I I understand what you're saying. That's just, man, I I hope they're right over you on this one. I, I, I hope they're right too because I have him in a number of DCs where I cannot drop him, um, and I I've always been a Ryu guy. Um, and you know you root for for guys like who went through like personal struggles, you know, um. So I'd love to see it. I'd love to see him be good and uh, and pitch uh, again and pitch well this season. But you you throw in the combination of all those things and you say, well, there's only like there's a seventy five percent chance he's back in a month or so, right? And you multiply that by there's a fifty percent chance he's good and. If you know anything about multiplying fractions or multiplying uh, percentages, it the more things you multiply, the smaller that percentage gets that he's actually going to be good. Um, and so I just, for me, I, I, I think especially in a ten or twelve, I'd rather take the percentage. I'm going to take the guaranteed percentage that someone's pitching over the poor percentage that he's going to come back and then be good again, even since we haven't seen it. Yeah. That's where I'm at with Ryu too. And it's like, again, if you can, if you do have the uh, IL spot, you might as well just hang on just to see what's up. But the second that you need that IL spot, he gots to go. 
I'm, yeah. I'm out on Ryu at that point in shallow formats, and then I'll keep an eye on him from the sidelines, hoping that uh, that he comes back, and then maybe I maybe I dip back in at that point. Um, another one, you know, a little bit of a trend here. You're probably noticing these guys are all kind of soft tossers, um, and that's where I think that's why I think they're very cuttable if they're not giving you that that K foundation. Because our next guy and our last starting pitcher is Aaron Savale. Who's at 61 and 65% with Yahoo and ESPN, respectively? Um, another guy, command and control, whose command and control has not been there early on. I do like him, but you're looking at a 614 ERA, 164 whip. It's a 420 Sierra, which says, okay, the underlying skill says he's kind of who he is. But maybe that's part of the problem, too, is that he is a low four ERA with a good whip and not much strikeout. Uh, not not many strikeouts, although a little bit of upside. I think he has similar upside to Rakiti where you could see it developing, but it has to develop. It's not there yet. So is Aaron Savale somebody that you're ready to move from in the shallower formats after two mediocre starts? Mm -hmm. One bad one. The, the Giants one, I'll, I'll say he survived. Uh, four innings, three runs, five strikeouts against the Giants. I'd actually, I'm actually okay with that. But uh, the KC one, he got, he got wild by KC. So what do you think about Aaron Savale? I think he could be in hot water with his team. I mean, the Guardians are always a team that have a stack ro ro rotation with plenty of options in the minor leagues. Sure. Um, and I worry if that he continues to struggle, that they just say, hey, you're going to the bullpen or you're going to the minor leagues. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little concerned there uh, as well, especially he's got like a 50% uh, fly ball percentage. And while things uh, have not been leaving the ballpark, as the weather heats up, things will start to leave the ballpark more. Yeah, 99% homer to fly ball. Sorry, I just want to color what you're saying. 9% homer to fly ball, career 14%. So if that mm -hmm. trickles back up with all those fly balls, that could be big trouble for Zavali, who's already at a 1-2 homer 9. Yeah, and so if that, that starts getting to a 1-8 or a 2, uh, then, then that's really going to be painful. And he just doesn't have the strikeout upside to – counteract that potential downside so yeah I, I do think he is a a cut in 10 and 12s um and a shopping around the waiver wire in 15s yeah um let's take a look at some potential alternatives here who are available in a large number of shower formats let's start with merrill kelly in arizona he's off to a great start he had a spring boost in uh, velo and a 13 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio it was only 7 innings he got a, you know he had a shortened spring like so many other guys but he did do some good things that uh, that that kind of have carried over so far the velo is up a mile per hour 1 mile per hour or more is when it starts to really be significant his strikeout rate is through the roof although i don't know that that's going to hold he's at 29% with just a 9% swinging strike rate but I don't need all those strikeouts. Let me let me have something in the 20s with the ERA and whip that he's putting up. 0.59 ERA, 117 whip. Obviously, the ERA is going to regress. But Merrill Kelly's been really good. He gets the second, or he gets a two-step next week. It's a challenging one. Dodgers and then at the cards. I'm going for it, though, with him. I hmm. like what Merrill Kelly's doing. I would go for this, even with the difficulty of Dodgers cards. How do you feel about Merrill Kelly, who currently is 54% at Yahoo, 38% at ESPN? So a good bit of availability. I like this one a lot. Um, you know, fortunately, if you if you didn't draft him, uh, you missed kind of a, a a weaker early season schedule that that 
uh, is kind of helping these numbers. Sure. But uh, you know, he's got a 50% ground ball percentage right now, and his hard contact percentage is 25%. And I'll, um, I'll say he hasn't benefited from the earlier schedule. He got mm-hmm. San Diego, Houston, and then at Washington. So two of oh. Merrill Kelly's three have actually been pretty tough. No, there you go. So they've had a, they've had an overall like you're you're mm-hmm. right about their overall schedule, but he's actually caught the brunt of it. Merrill Kelly has so good on him for standing up against two really good teams. Yeah, um, I, I do think the strikeout rate is a bit fraudulent, like you mentioned. Like you said, this the swing strike rate is just under ten percent. I will say that you know improved control is one of the reasons he's getting more called strike. Yeah, exactly. So yes. uh, he's being able to paint the corners a little bit more. Than he has in, in recent seasons. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm here for the Merrill, Merrill Kelly love. I think I would potentially roll him out, depending on what my other options were for that two start. I mean, the Dodgers, they are scary, though. Oh, of course. And, and the Cardinals, Cardinals did it. Cardinals, you know, no. we talked about them so much last year, and I kept banging the drum that they are a scary offense, and they just never really got there until that big winning streak. This year, they're there from the jump. They are a tough team, mm-hmm. and they don't strike out a ton. So, if he comes out of this, I think he needs to be all formats 100% for Merrill Kelly. But I, I would go get him this week with the two-step. Hopefully that two-step maybe keeps the prices down a little bit too to where you can get him at a little bit of a cheaper price because people are going to see Dodgers cards and be like, whoa, let me back off. Great call out on the called strikes, 21% for Merrill Kelly, fourth in the league. Behind yeah. another huge breakout who we're going to talk about, let's just go ahead and, and jump into him. I'll move this guy up a little bit, Paul Blackburn is leading the league in called strike rate right now at a 25% clip just behind, just ahead of uh, Adam Wainwright, who is a called strike God. He is consistently near the top of the league at 24%. Paul Blackburn had a solid start yesterday. Did he leave because he got hit by that batted ball? Because he only threw 62 pitches yesterday against uh, the Orioles. And I thought he was doing really well that I was surprised that the, that it seemed to be a shortened outing. I'm looking here, and they don't say anything in the note about him. Yeah, I, I didn't see anything on. Uh, I think they just pulled him early. I mean, that's that's really like it was 62 pitches. I think I'm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna look it up here in a moment. But he's had three starts now. The velo's been up for Paul Blackburn, and that's been that's been a big issue. Now it did come down this past one. Yesterday it was at 91, which is a little bit more in line with where he's at. 92. 92 plus is where he's been in his first two starts, but 15 innings, three straight five inning starts again at Tampa and at Toronto to open the year. Baltimore was kind of his first little reprieve and uh, he's, he's been great. How do we feel about Paul Blackburn's jump up? By the way, the 91 actually would be a, a little jump over his career. 91 mm-hmm. plus would be 90.4 is what his career Velo was before this. 92 4 is where he's at for the year, though. So we are seeing a Velo boost. We are seeing a swinging strike boost. We're seeing a massive walk rate dip and those called strikes for Paul Blackburn. Does he appeal to you? He does. I I, I, I wasn't as aggressive on him in Fab as you were, but I did get him in a few spots. Um, and I got, I got aggro worrying that people would like. Mm-hmm use my tweet against me and push the numbers up, but I'm, I'm fine. I'm happy with what I paid. I paid like 86 in our main um, against like, what was it? You 13 were, were second. 17. Team? I think yeah. 13. Yeah. So it's like, like 
Obviously, I overpaid, but I'm, I really wanted to go out and get him. And it was under triple digits, so I still feel pretty good about it. But go it, ahead. You know what? I think the one thing we don't talk about in the industry, because what we like to do in the industry is take screenshots of the times we win a guy game. yeah, by $1 or $2 or even a tie or whatever. Um, I would much rather win someone by 60 than lose someone by yes. 5 And so, yeah, I mean... Yes, you you over you end up having overpaid, but you didn't know. No. You know, this, and there this is why leagues. victory should be a thing. Victory should be a thing in every league. Although I will say, at, at, with a thousand dollars, it's okay. With a hundred dollars, it absolutely should. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I I could get into a whole big thing about that, but yeah, I agree with you. And um, I lost my train of thought otherwise, but yeah, I, I I'm with you. I don't want to lose by a couple bucks. It's cool when you get that one dollar win when you just barely beat them but I'm fine winning comfortably for somebody that I really wanted. He does go to San Francisco next week. So if he's, if Paul Blackburn is still on your wire, there could be a discount there again, because of the matchup coming, coming up. Same with the, the Merrill Kelly thing I'm talking about. Uh, Cause he is still available in a lot of leagues. Oh, what mm -hmm. I was going to say was yes, I overpaid in our league, but in a lot of leagues, I wouldn't have even gotten Blackburn or like four or five leagues. I was actually, I think the fifth or sixth highest, but there were some leagues where I wouldn't have even gotten him. So I was happy that uh, I was able to secure his services. He might end up just being a streamer right now, but he's a team streamer for me. Like, for example, mm -hmm. I might pass on next week's start at the Giants, but I'm not going to cut him for that. I'm going to just go ahead and reserve him. Yeah. Um, what he's doing is, uh, you know, I mean, one, the velocity helps, it's, uh, um, but he's also getting a lot of ground balls. He's letting his defense take care of him, get out of, uh, you know, innings quicker, Uh I, I, you know, I didn't even realize like he had been pulled after so few pitches. That is a little concerning. Um, I thing. think it was because he was hit by a batted ball. I, it okay. has to be. It had like there was one that just I think like kind of went off his heel. He didn't seem to show effects from it, but that otherwise he's got he got pulled so early. Yeah, that that's a bit concerning. But um, I'm 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 definitely intrigued. Like a guy who can get some strikeouts, but also puts uh, that many balls on the ground, pitches in a great ballpark, excellent park. Yeah, on, you know, on a team that really isn't going to replace him with anybody. Um, you know, if anything, there are going to be more spots opening up in that rotation, uh, not fewer. So um, I, I I like Blackburn a lot, especially in, in deeper formats. But I think yeah, I think he's a team streamer in your tens and twelves. Yeah, I, I think that's what you're looking at right now with Paul Blackburn. You might even pick him up this week again and, and not necessarily use him at San Francisco, uh, but you definitely want want him on a roster there. He is at 27 and 25% in Yahoo and ESPN, so widely available. Matt Brash is still pretty widely available in shallower formats, 49% at Yahoo, 24% at ESPN. We saw already, and I kind of like that, you know, you kind of get that taste early uh, of what, what happens when it can go sideways a bit? And we saw how nasty, like he was so gift worthy in his first outing there with that nasty, nasty breaker. But Houston saw those gifts and said, oh, we're not swinging at that shit. And they took six walks against him. Now that didn't hurt him. He only gave up two runs because he all, only had two hits. But that's that's the that's the danger part right now is the control. Commanding that uh, that breaker for Brash is very difficult. But there is a lot to like through two starts. How do you feel about Matt Brash and picking him up in shallow leagues for some of these guys that we've been talking about? 
Um, I mean, I like him a lot. I, I think that if you're looking for upside, he's the guy to go from or go for from the from these first three that we've talked about. Um, you know, pitches in great park. He's starting to cement himself into that rotation. Yes, there, there's going to be bumps. I mean, he's a rookie pitcher. He's still figuring things out. Uh, and so, you know, those times where teams are a little bit less um, swing happy, he might get into some trouble. But thankfully for him, most teams in the league like to swing and miss. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, sixty-one percent ground ball rate too. So yeah. when he is giving up contact, it's on the ground and playable in a lot of cases. And don't forget too, Brash skipped AAA, fifty-five yeah. innings in AA, and he's here in the majors at least so far, holding his own. So that's pretty impressive stuff from the young Matt Brash. Yeah, I think he is. Like he should be rostered in every every league. Um, I agree. I, I I would not want to see him on the wire in my league. He's far too available. He he goes to Miami next week, so you feel really good about slotting him right into the lineup at that point. Oh too, yeah. So. I I, th- I mean, these are the guys that get completely overlooked in your traditional ESPN Yahoo leagues, um, and where you can really take advantage um, of playing against competition that isn't necessarily as informed as you is is going and getting these matt brashes where most people in your home league is like i don't even know who that is i've never even heard of him well you're gonna hear about him and know about him by next season and hopefully he'll be on your team by, by yeah. may or june you're gonna know him. yeah like, with the way he's pitching they could be like again there's there's he's not guaranteed matt brash is not locked Absolutely. out and untouchable with this control but the sexiness of his stuff means he could have a huge breakout season at worst you're gonna get a ton of strikeouts exactly this next one is a little bit tough because i just don't know how long he's gonna be up so keep that in mind if you go out and try to go get mackenzie gore because he has done well but they have blake snell and mike clevenger working their way back so even if they do a six man that still might have mackenzie gore on the outside looking in now i think clevenger is going to get a pretty extended rehab like he's going to probably get the full uh the full length of it but Mackenzie Gore the, the young lefty had a big spring that everyone was excited about then they went and got Sean Manaya and it's like well he's gonna start in the minors comes up quickly has had two good starts he was excellent yesterday against the Cincinnati Reds on that'd be Thursday at the 21st depending on when you're listening to this seven punches and five shutout innings four hits two walks uh, he survived against Atlanta. Watching that start, you could tell it was a young kid saying, these are the world champs. I just got to get out to where I can. And I took a lot from that start, too, in his debut. So the biggest hurdle, like I said, is how long will he be up with Snell due back soon and then Clevenger already on rehab. But while he's up, how do you feel about Mackenzie Gore? Oh, I mean, I love Mackenzie Gore. Um, I've always been a Mackenzie Gore fan. I've I've never completely jumped off board even when he went through i guess the yips yeah (laughs) Uh, throughout you know the last couple of years uh i don't know like i know they can and i know like they already did right they already sent him down like but i don't know how they can like i especially with how well he's pitching in the majors already um the pedigree the talent in that arm the health risk to the rest of that rotation Mm -hmm. like I know that he's but you know they can go six man once Snell is back, and, um, and then wait for Clevenger, and then we'll see what's up. Maybe somebody yeah, else. Yeah, some maybe somebody already, else. 
shoot, go seven, man. Like, then just like do it at like seven. Do you know? Um, it, it'll it'll play itself out as it always does. Remember, I mean, th- it's this insane that he would be considered the worst of this rotation. I well, understand why the least experienced. Um, like, I think he's yeah. better than Nick Martinez. But they're going to play Nick Martinez. They brought him back over from Japan. Mm-hmm. I don't like they're not sending him out. That's for sure. He doesn't have any options anyway. Yeah, so they might put him to the bullpen if he's struggling. Uh, Martinez, but he's been fine in his first two starts, so I don't think that that's happening anytime soon. So just be careful with that if you pick up Gore, knowing that he might not be starting, uh, you know, a couple days after you get him. You might only get one start and then kind of have to hold, but the talent is through the roof. And once once he's turned loose, there could be a lot of excellence there from Gore. Uh, what about Brad Keller? He's at 32 and 26% respectively for Yahoo and ESPN. The, uh, the, the Royal 26 year old, he's almost kind of the, well, never mind, not with Granky anymore, but last year he was like the elder statesman in that rotation because they have so many young guys. Uh, but now Granky gets to hold that mantle. Keller at 27, or excuse me, at age 26, uh, is having a little bit of a, a surge here based on, command and control spiking up and his his arsenal uh being changed a little bit he has a 138 era and 0.62 whip we know those aren't going to hold but he's been excellent 22 percent strikeout rate is a career high seven percent walk rate is a career low and he does have a corresponding swinging strike rate surge to back the strikeout surge Mm -hmm. so how do we feel about brad keller and what he's doing early on do you think he's a shallow league pickup I think he's a shallow league team streamer. I think he's a guy that you you pick up and you spot start. It's a great home park, a pretty good uh, division to pitch in. Mm-hmm. Um, he's getting like 50% ground balls. He's not giving up a ton of hard contact. Um, the changeup is the big difference, by the way. He's using mm-hmm. that a ton more, about 10 points more. Yeah, like you mentioned, the, uh, the swing and strike rate backs up some of these strikeout gains. Uh, yeah, um, and he's going somewhat deep in the game. So, um, yeah, I think uh, especially if you're playing in leagues with like, quality starts, could be uh, nice. That defense Those behind are so him. hard to come by these days, too. Oh, there are quality nice starts. Like, they're um, not, they don't exist. And he's going I'm in a up. quality start league. And, I mean, my rotation's been just decimated by injuries and now you Oscar, you know, getting sent down. But um, Hopefully he doesn't punch a wall. Yeah, it's just been it's been a nightmare. I had to trade for Bruce Zimmerman. Like it's just like, oh, like oh, oh, that kind of league. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a little rough right now. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I, I like Brad Keller. I don't think he's ever gonna like be a beast or anything like that. So I think in your shallower formats, like you pick him up, you use him you put him back on your bench or even drop him back to the wire uh, when he's got, you know, a bad stretch of starts or something like that. But um, him at the White Sox next week. That was the only team in his division where I was thinking like, yeah, he's probably, that's probably the team I'm not starting him. Yeah. Against. I mean, this um, it's a good challenge to kind of really see where he's at too, with this early I, success. He beat Detroit and Cleveland, Cleveland playing well though, by the way. So I, I give him some credit for that. My Tigers, they're they're whatever. I'm not I'm not putting a ton of stock into beating them up. This is a great litmus test to see where where uh, well, Brad Keller's at. Luis Robert is out with a groin injury. Um, Eloy Jimenez, horrendous. 
Yeah, Eloy Jimenez has been kind of in and out with uh, with some nagging stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So I think depending on your other options, you like if you're in like one of those daily lineup leagues. Yeah, I think I would probably roll him out there. Um, and Moncada's still out too, by the way. Moncada mm-hmm. Pollock still out. So you know they got good backups and everything. But I, you know, I think if I'm picking up Keller, I'm going. I'm going for this start. What yeah. he's doing right now, uh, I think, can be maybe not matchup proof completely, but taking a difficult matchup here, I think I'd go for it with Brad Keller. So here we go. You know, you know what's coming next. I gave you four potential alternatives for those guys that were cutting: Merrill Kelly, Paul Blackburn, Matt Brash, Mackenzie Gore. And Brad Keller, rank them. Oh, okay. Um, I think blue. I think Matt Brash is number one. Okay. Then I go um, Blackburn, Kelly, Gore, Ke- Keller. Um, Kelly, Brash, Blackburn, Gore, Keller. But man, if you if you have a bigger need, I go I go Keller Gore because I do think Gore is going to go back down at least in yeah. the short term, and we are talking tens and twelves where you're not trying to wait on stuff. So my my team context would determine the core, the Gore Keller ranking there. It's Typically that. with with tens and twelves, um, I like to play upside um, because there's so much replace. You know, there will be another Brad Keller or even Merrill Kelly on the waiver wire. There'll be another um, Gore though too. Yeah, but if if Gore turns into what we think he can be, he's a game like game. he he's an absolute like league winner type guy. So I, I feel that um, I feel that I tend to push him up a little bit. But I agree with you. I think there's a very high likelihood, unless someone else gets hurt, that he's going back down to the minors. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I always see in the chat that Matt Tank almost snatched Brash up for a dynasty league draft, but went with younger guys. Still got him on waivers, so that's awesome that you were able to still yeah. go back to him and get Matt Brash. Let's talk catcher from two catcher leagues. I got a one catcher league cut, and I got a two catcher league cut. The two catcher league cut, Mike Zanino. He's at 91% in the OCs. That's uh, the online championship at Rotowire, or uh, the Rotowire online championship at the NFBC, and 100% in the main event. And I think he's super cuttable those rates should be like half that i people were so suckered drafting him like who who didn't see hit this guy? like i know it's early i guess i'm, I'm victory lapping way too early it's gonna burn me now yeah he's, he's gonna he, hit like he does 600 love reps though yeah he does love to burn me but like i mean the bottom has fallen out he's one for 25 um even last year, he hit 216 with those 33 homers. So he took some pain even to get those homers. I do not think he should be near 100% in the OC and at 100% in the main event, though. What do you think about cutting Mike Zanino? And then I'll give you a couple of potential alternatives for those formats. Yeah, I mean, I think he, he is definitely cuttable, especially in, in, in 12 teams. Um uh, especially in one catcher formats, if for some reason you're rostering him over no, any other no, guy, even um, no, more, this is two catchers specifically. That's the only format he should be rostered in. If you have him in it's a the only format, he should be rostered in. But if you, if you, you know, some catcher, people are in, you know, know in like ESPN Yahoo leagues. They they pick their guy and then they just roll with it. Exactly. Uh, they take they take all the pain, even though you're like, doesn't he hit 33 last year? I'm going to stick with him. Mm-hmm. No. 24% Yahoo, 8% ESPN cut Zanino in one catcher leagues. Yeah. What were the percentages on those? 24 at, ES, at Yahoo, 8 at ESPN. ESPN. Oh, okay. up. Yeah, but ESPN. Yahoo at 24 is like 
5x too high. Yeah, yeah, way, like way, way too high. Way too high. Um, but, so, yeah, absolutely. Are you going to cut him? I think I would, especially if, you know, there are other options. Um, and you see the two uh, that out I'm going to give you here. Yeah. Zach, Zach Collins? Collins one, man, that's hard. He's... He's got a lot of talent in that bat. He really does. He DHs every day, though, that he doesn't catch. How is he, like, isn't he just... Like a 33% strikeout rate or something like that. You're cutting Mike Zanino. Yeah, I know. It's just... You're still improving yourself. It's it's the Spider-Man gif. Like, they're just pointing at each other, the same the same guy. Um, sort of. Um, I, I, do, I think Zach Collins is a better hitter... I do, too. ...than, than Zanino. Um... They are similar. I grant that. But that was kind of the point was to show, like, get the better version, get the hotter version of of that type right now, that all-or-nothing power dude, because Zach Collins has two homers and a 333 average and a 203 WRC+. plus. Obviously, he's going to come down to, to earth a bit. But like I said, he's DHing on the days he's not catching, which is really uh, impressive. You know how we feel about non-catching catching. Yeah. So I think I, the I like problem it. the problem with Collins is once Danny Jansen is back, Collins is going to the minor leagues. The whole reason they traded for him is because he had options, um, and Reese McGuire didn't. Um, and so I think once uh, once Jansen is mm -hmm. back, Collins has Kirk's doing. Is the, Kirk's doing then? Don't, I don't think it's so set in stone. The fantasy community, we love Kirk. Like, do something then. Do you something. Do something. Pedestrian ninety three WRC plus right now. Uh, with like, we'll see. I'm not saying all. All I'm saying is that it's possible. If Collins keeps raking, and Kirk is just kind of humming along like ho hum, whatever. Kirk's going down, in my opinion. Not Collins. We'll see. Um, but I, we're talking short term anyway. So Kirk, I, Kirk's I'm, gonna be fine. Kirk. Kirk. I don't, I don't have any. I don't have any fears on Kirk. Um, I would much rather. Um, go to the other guy. Um, Jonah Heim is the other one yeah. here. Jonah Heim's at 27% in the OCs, 66% in the main event. So not as widely available in the main event. Collins is at 15% OC, 47% main event. I take either over Zanino easily. I, again, I just, you, you couldn't have paid me to roster Zanino. I just didn't see it. Obviously, he'll be better than this. I'm not stupid. I know he's not a minus 58 WRC plus, but he's not what he was last year. That was a breakout year. He's going to go back to the the guy he's been, which is like god awful mm -hmm. batting average and a, and a handful of homers. Yeah. So Jonah Heim has that big grand slam that that is definitely propping up his numbers a bit. But he was somebody I really liked until they got Mitch Garver. I was taking Jonah Heim in my DCs left and right. Like, yo, there's some breakout here. He has two homers, two twenty WRC plus, and twenty plate appearances. Jonah Heim um, right now is only playing against righties, though. They've actually had a big rush of lefties uh, where they've played four lefties in their last six games. He started against both rights. He's a switch hitter, so it's surprising that he doesn't ever play against lefties, but that just might be because of the other guys that they have uh, playing. Like, mm -hmm. actually, I don't know why. I would probably DH him over Andy Abanez. That's who DH'd yesterday. I don't know. Maybe Heim sucks against lefties. But uh, you said you'd rather have him than Collins for Zanino. Talk to us about Jonah Heim, 27-year-old catcher, backup catcher right now for the Rangers. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously propped up by a small sample. Um, but so far, everything he's doing is legitimate. Um, you know, he's walking and striking out at a 10% clip. 
uh, swing strike rate is down. Um, he is making good contact in the zone. Uh, you know, his, you know, of course he's not going to hit 333, but his ex batting average is 360. Um, so like, it's not like he's getting lucky. He's got a 286 Babbitt right now. Um, I, I like this a lot. I think this is a really sneaky ad, uh, and he should be rostered in just about every two catcher league. And I think he is making himself potentially viable for one catcher formats. I'm looking right now and like, it's a small sample to even go off of his career splits. He has 93 mm-hmm. plate appearances against lefties, but Jonah Heim's been much better against lefties, 793 OPS versus 544 against righties. So I'm wondering why he's only starting against righties right now. Um, I, I understand that, you know, he's giving Mitch Garver a rest in, in those days from behind the dish. But again, Andy Abanez has been the DH the last two days, the last two games against lefties. I'd rather have Jonah Heim there. Maybe they just don't want to start both catchers or something, but I, that I would be. I'd maybe be maybe because of Mitch Garver's health history, they're, they're scared to put their backup catcher in the Perhaps. game. And, that that, and that might be it. I, you know, and, so. I understand, but I'm with you. I like Heinz. But Mitch well. Garver is only a pebble in the sand and, you know, hurting his, you know, away from hurting himself. So, like, you know, uh, I, yeah, I, I like Heim. Yeah, I do too. So keep a close eye on him. And, uh, and like you said, he might be playing himself into some one catcher leagues if he starts to get more playing yep. time. Speaking of one catcher leagues, Kyber Ruiz, a lot of, a lot of uh, hype for him. I, I was in on that hype. 82% at Yahoo, 83% at ESPN, but he's not he's not producing. And it's in one catcher league. Do you consider moving on? Uh 261, 255, 326. He's got his batting average there, but it's very empty right now with nothing else really going on. The Babip's at 293. Obviously, some power will start to come through. He's not striking out. Like he's been himself. It's just with the batting average, which is what you got Ruiz for but there's nothing else with it right now. And I just wonder if maybe you got to go for some, for some more production um, and go for like an Austin Nola or a Francisco Mejia. I'm bringing up the guys that you're replacing him with um, immediately because that's it. There has to be somebody I really like. I'm not cutting Ruiz unless I'm, I'm really interested in somebody. I'm a big Austin Nola fan. I think I'd make that move in a one catcher league. I don't know. The underlying skills on Ruiz are just so tantalizing. Um, it's got like a 96% zone contact. Percentage. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the like, average is there. A 261 from a catcher is good. I grant that. And, but, I mean, ultimately, what I want from a catcher is not to hurt me. Um, you know, obviously, you, you love Nola to ain't hurting you. He's batting one or two every day. Yeah. I think Nola is the one I would make the change for. I don't think I'm making the change for Mejia. Okay. Um, but I'm playing enough. Yeah. And I just don't think he's that special of a talent. Um, Anola is interesting. Cause like you said, he has been leading off a fair amount. One or two. Um, he bats one or two every day. Right yeah. Now. Um, I'm, I'm really loving him as my like 29th pick, uh, round pick. I think in one of my mains. Um, so not ours. Cause I got him in ours. Yeah. Yeah. Of course not. All but I got Grandal, so he's 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 only trying to cancel out some of Grandal's awfulness, dude. I almost included him, but I know nobody's actually going to cut Grandal. But oh my god, please do not bad. cut Grandal. Yeah, no, please do not. Unless you're in my league, cut Grandal in my yeah. league. Yeah, but mm-hmm. otherwise, do not. Um, but yeah, 
yeah, I mean, Nola's got a 93% zone contact percentage. So, like, he's right there with, you know, elite player or, you know, elite zone contact guys uh, like Ruiz. Um, so I can understand making that move. You get them, you get on a better team in a better batting spot in the lineup. Um, yeah, I don't have a problem moving. No, in a two catcher league, I'd like to have both of them. Um, for sure. So, uh, these are definitely kind of the high floor kind of catchers I tend to like to roster. Um, uh, so, uh, I, I if, some, uh, if ahead, someone drops Reese, uh, I'm picking them up too. Like, if some, if yeah. I'm in a 10 or 12, and especially two catcher league, and somebody drops him, I don't think yeah, I'm gonna I'll, cut him in two if they do pounce immediately i would only consider it in one catcher for kyvert ruiz and it would have to be somebody pretty appealing to go get like an austin nola mm -hmm. and i saw austin nola's roster rate uh being at 39 and 19 at yahoo and espn respectively that's why i brought him up i'm not looking to cut kyvert ruiz let me be clear i still like him in a 261 average even an empty 261 from a catcher is still positive like you you'll you'll take that and i, I think he'll figure himself out but if you're looking to just improve and you don't want to kind of wait on the uh, little, you know, the, the the power to start coming, go get Nola because he's doing a great Kybert Ruiz mm -hmm. imitation. Uh, but I'm with you on Mejia, maybe not uh, going for him because his playing time is not uh, very, very strong there because Zanino, the one thing he does do well is catch. He's a great defensive catcher and Mejia is not getting ancillary playing time at like DH or anything. So that does make it tough to go for him, even though he is off to a good start with a 348 average, uh, but he only has a 333 OBP. He hasn't walked yet. He does have a 29% strikeout rate as well. So I'm with you, not Mejia, but yes to Nola. Let's go to first base. This one pains me too, even more so than the Arcadi one. But again, first base is going to be like one of the most, the most rich positions on the waiver wire in shallow formats. So Luke Voigt, might have to be on the chopping block given that he's hitting 154, 333, 179. And again, if I did cut him, it would be very much like I'm not out on him the way I cut Akil Badu in a 10-teamer. Uh, but you got you to gotta get guys that are producing, especially at production spots like first base. Are you cutting Luke Voigt right now in, in a 10 or 12-team league? I think I am. Um, Sucks. Like, the underlying skills are not good here. Like, these, you know, I mean, he is – uh, he's got like a 66% zone contact uh, percentage. Uh, for reference, like 83, 84 is typically around league average. I haven't checked what it is yet for this year, but my guess is it'd probably be somewhere around that. Um, his hard hit percentage is 29%. Um, so even when he is making contact, it's not hard contact. Yeah. Um, uh, we should call him. Walk. We should call him by his moniker. You know, uh, Luke Freight Train Void. Uh. <laughs> Watch out, T Step. <laughs> so we, we we disagreed on on that. Uh, yes, on that we did. Slide there. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think it's okay to move on. I think he's going to lose playing time if he doesn't, you he know, doesn't figure turn, things out. Yeah. I mean, they brought him in to be power in the middle of that lineup, not. Lack of power, 31% strikeout uh, rate. Um, He's walking at a 20% clip. So there's, you know, something about, you know, seeing the ball a bit, but they got to get some production. And I love Voight. I'm not cutting him in deeper formats, but in shallower ones, I think it's time to move. And for example, 
you might have somebody on your bench that you might want to put in in a shout, in a deeper format and bench Voight. I can get behind benching him in a deeper format, but I still wouldn't cut him just yet. Got to give him more than 51 plate appearances, but I am pretty bummed at, at how, how crappy I, he's been. I wonder if like his passivity is the reason why he's struggling, though, because he's got his lowest uh, zone swing percentage of his career but uh, you know the highest first pitch strike rate of his career. Like pitchers are just going after him. They're just attacking. I wonder. He, I think he needs to get more aggressive early in counts, um, and not like try to like you know see so many pitches. It's great that he's walking at a twenty percent clip, but like that that's not going to get it done for us in fantasy or for the Padres for that matter. Um, so yeah, I would. Uh, uh, unless we start seeing a real change in his aggression, uh, I'm 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 moving on. There's like you said, too many options at first base. Yeah, two options that I would look at are Nathaniel Lowe at 44 and 53 percent respectively, Yahoo and ESPN, G Man Choi at 28 and 24 percent. Let's talk about Lowe first. His roster rates are pretty similar to Voight, uh, but I would just make that switch pretty easily. I love both coming into the season. I got both in our main event, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm a fan of, of both guys. But in a shallower league, if I have to choose one, I'm definitely going with Lowe right now. He's been off to a strong start. Are you on the Nathaniel Lowe train? I was on it before the strong start. I, I you know, um, I, you know, he was one of my guys. He, he is probably the guy that I'm most bummed about not getting more shares of um, because I I, uh, I felt like I was higher on him than the market and then just get sniped um, really, really often, uh, especially in my big money drops. Uh, so he was my 12th ranked first baseman. I, yeah. I, like I just, what he did last year was so strong. Mm -hmm. I would take that all day, 18 and eight with a 264 average. And yep. I figure the 72 ribbies and 75 runs would go up based on the quality of the team. You know, the guys that they went and got, I was like, I'll take a repeat. But if Nathaniel Lowe finds any lift and starts to get the ball up just a bit more, then the power can really take off because he did that with a 55% ground ball rate. He's still at 59% right now. So he hasn't found that lift and he's still off to a strong start. Um, he hasn't hit that first home 90, yet. Ninety-two percent zone contact percentage. That's why it's tearing off the uh, tearing the yeah. cover off the ball in the zone, driving in runs, uh, and batting average at three ninety-six right now. The power will come. I do hope that he he can get somebody can get in Nathaniel Lowe's here and just be like just just a little what, lift. What do you think his launch angle is right now? Oh my God, probably negative. Negative point two. I was gonna say negative five, so I was close, <laughs> close ish. Yeah, but even with that, he's still he's still doing really well with the batting average. So I'll take that all day. Uh, what about G Man Choi? Obviously, in a shallower format, uh, a platoon guy, even a strong side platoon, you want to be careful with. But I would maybe look ahead at the schedule, kind of see what's up. For example, next week they only face one lefty, Marco Gonzalez. Uh, the week after that, um, it looks like it would be Marco Gonzalez again as their only lefty. So only two lefties on the docket uh, projected right now for G-Man Choi. He starts every day against righties for the most part, and he's raking right now. Would you go for G-Man Choi over Luke Voigt just based on the fact that, that he's producing? Yeah, I think he's like a short-term streamer in the shallower format. So yeah, you're obviously for somebody else. Yeah. If you pick him up for Voigt. Um, and I, so, I mean, it's really hard. I think on a base percentage, least, yes. Because, I mean, he's just walking a ton on top of raking. Mm -hmm. Um, in an average league, three OBP. 
Yeah, it's it's insane right now. Like he's he's got a twenty six percent walk rate. Like it's um, on top of hitting you know three ninety three. So numbers are silly. Yeah, so these are like video game numbers, uh, and so like yeah, I think you ride the hot streak right now, um, but and, and then once he slows slow down or they go up against a glut of lefties. Um, you drop him for, you know, the Seth Beer or the, the Rowdy Telezes, um, the guys who, you know, kind of go on and off teams in I might go for well. Rowdy Telez first. I, 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 I would have too. him. I Daniel Vogelbach is another example of a guy who's hot right now. Like, on fire, yep. Yeah. Three homers. Like, I, I, that's the thing. And that just gets to my original point with Voight and cutting him so many options. You yeah. can go so many different avenues. The two guys that we highlighted here with Lowe and Choi or Vogelbach or Telez or Seth Beer or um, a guy we're actually going to talk about at another position. Actually, two other guys that we're going to talk about. And I'll reference them when we get there. Let's start with this first one. Gleyber Torres, not the guy, the guy that could be his replacement. 70 and 74% rostered. Should he be that ro- like he's coming off a brutal year? He has not started off strong. He's not playing every day. Does he need to be that rostered in shower formats or is he living off name value right now? I I think he is living off name value right now. I mean, he's walking 4% of the time, hitting 167. Um and like you said he's not playing every day like this was the concern when they made those trades for donaldson and isaiah kind of leffa um was somebody was going to lose playing time and my big fear was it's potentially torres because i thought it was gonna be lemayu though because of ross resource yeah but I mean, I'm Torres. Jason, by the way, he just no. You, you know, there. do the best you can with the information yeah. that you've got. I felt it was Torres because of the way they have talked about him publicly and treated him. Uh, you know, last year, like so, yeah. I honestly thought he was going to get traded. I thought he was going to be part of like a Montas deal. Trade, yep. So, uh, I would have loved to see him. You well, know, become be. the. Yeah, um, not, I'd love know. to see him become. The Giants everyday second baseman. Um, but I just don't know what the Giants would trade. Uh, I don't think I think the Yankees want a major league piece if they're trading a major league piece away. But yeah. Um ultimately, uh I think he needs a change of scenery. Um and uh I don't think he should be rostered on that many tens and twelves. He probably he should not be rostered on ten team leagues. Um Yeah, I don't even know. Well, yeah, seventy. There's got to be guys, you know, that are, are are more valuable. I mean, you know, you. I don't know if Michael Chavez is the guy um, that I necessarily want, but he's hitting right now. So, are you, are you familiar with what he's doing? Like, I'm yeah, not no, a I guy at all. But my Twitch chat put me on him when we were going over box scores the other day, and I was like, "Wow, he is tearing the absolute cover mm-hmm. off the ball right but now." But this is who he is, right? Like, he just no, 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 He's never been having a 7% strikeout rate with an 8% swinging strike rate. He's usually still his all-or-nothing guy, even when he gets hot. Chavis is making so much contact right now, and obviously his numbers are super gaudy. They're not going to last at this level, 423, 464, 654. 
but the major strikeout improvement is the biggest difference that I'm seeing with Chavis and why I'm like, oh, okay, this is a bit more intriguing now. There's playing time to be had in Pittsburgh. He doesn't start against all righties, though. Uh, he did start yesterday. He did, he did finally draw a start. Josh Van Meter, is Josh Van Meter performing well? Is that why they're still playing him? No, not really. So I think he should be starting over Josh Van Meter. I don't know. I got Chavis on my watch list right now at the very least for a guy who I had zero interest in. This improved strikeout rate has me at least intrigued by him. And we'll get into some other potential guys too, but I think there's some changes with Chavis that are that are pretty alluring. You know what hasn't changed? The, the, what has changed is the miss of swing and miss. The swing hasn't changed. He's still his out there. Zone, his Dang zone it. swing percentage. Guess what his zone swing percentage is. I'm not even going to say it. I want you 90, to guess. 94. It's almost exactly 94 fucking percent. 93.9. He is swinging before the pitcher has even decided what he's throwing. But, but he's like, where he's I, three times at one pitch. He, you know, it's a 43.60 swing percentage. Like he is, he is just, I am going up there to swing the bat. I'm not going to see any pitches. And he's making an insane amount of contact in the zone. 96.8% zone contact. Is, is this a way of expressing concern that the strikeout rate will go up? Because it's only yes, 8% it, swinging strike rate, though. Yeah. I mean, this is just someone who is dialed in in a way that is unreal right now. Like, there's no way this is sustainable um, at, at its current rate. Does it mean like he's going to like regress back into the player he was? Not necessarily. Yeah. You know, clear, he's making a ton of contact. That is a good sign. But this is un unsustainable at an unsustainable level, and I just don't know how far it's going to come crashing back. But you ride the hot streak. You like you you I, go I'd and still take him over Glaber. Yeah, yep. Yeah, you pick him up. You may get like two really really good weeks, and then it comes crashing back to earth. But like even crashing back to earth time. may be still playable in some format. So yeah, you know, let's, the let's nice talk about thing, two teammates then too. Oh, go ahead. I'm okay. Sorry. I was just going to say his, I, I wrote up his teammate last night, Daniel Vogelbach in, in the road, right? And I said like, you know, being on the pirates gives you a level of safety because they don't have options. Yeah. So like, even if he, you know, starts to regress and regrets hard, like he'll probably still play a fair amount. Yeah, what's Josh Van Meter doing? The only guy I would yeah. say that maybe I would prefer is if Diego Castillo could get that mm -hmm. playing time. I'd be interested in that. Or a bit point more. Park, yeah. yeah, but uh, but Chavis, you know, with that with that huge swing swinging success right now, I'm interested, and I would take him over Glaber. What about a couple of teammates out in Oakland though? Sheldon mm -hmm. Noisy and Tony Kemp both are widely available here. Sheldon Noisy's up to the two spot in the lineup right now. He got moved up this week, and the last three games he's batted two. Um, Kemp has been leading off all year. They're both second base eligible. How do you feel about the two Oakland A's, Sheldon Noisy and Tony Kemp as Glaber Torres replacements? I, I like both of them. I, you know, I mean, um, I, I don't think that either are like world beaters by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think they're going to hurt you. Could kind of be. Noisy's really interesting. When he gets um, into his power, because it hasn't quite been there yet, I, 
I think he could be. And you, we've talked about Kemp a bunch and how much he confounded me this year with those amazing plate skills. I didn't know if I should buy into it because he doesn't have a whole lot of pop. I'm kind of regretting not buying into it. But Noisy somebody. I liked him his first time around with Oakland. He goes over to the Dodgers, gets buried, never, never really sees the light of day there. 66 plate appearances in the majors with them. But now he's back. Everyday PT is there. He is striking out a bit too much, but there's power there. Whereas Kemp is more of kind of, uh, you know, great plate skills. Again, he's walking way more than he's striking out. Good batting average, two steals already. It's kind of the, like, what do you want? Do you want the power from Noisy or do you want the speed and batting average from Kemp? So you can kind of pick, choose your own adventure with those two, uh, depending on team need, right? Yeah, I, I think I still lean Kemp. I think the profile is ultimately safer. He's more of that Oakland A's type guy. Um, noisy not walking, it's like walking at like a four percent clip, striking out. Yeah, and I just, I think they're going to be good stretches with noisy. I just don't know. Honestly, I'm not super comfortable with the A's. I don't know like what they're doing. Um, you know, they bring they bring. Well, why would they play him? They, they brought noisy back. He's 27. You don't think like how bad would it have to be for them to not play him? I I really don't know. Like at that. Like, I just don't have a lot of trust in the organization. And I don't think that Noisy, like, I think there is power in the bat. I still think that he has some mechanical changes. Like, he's got a six-degree launch angle. Like, that's not going to lead to a lot of power in Oakland. And I just feel a lot more comfortable about Kemp's playing time. Um, Kemp ain't going anywhere. He's leading yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's, he's leading off. He's stealing bases. Uh, there's a tiny bit of pop there, not much. Um, so, like, I don't think he has a barrel yet this year. Hey, and he only <laughs> had three all last year. That was part of why I was reluctant. Yeah, I was like, so. yeah, if he gets double digit steals with a good batting average, it's not really going to matter where the pop's at. Yeah, and, and on, a fair amount of run scores, even in a bad lineup. So, yeah, on noisy. I don't know why they'd move him up to two, uh, two and then not play him. You talk about the playing time, maybe you're missing not. a ton of guys right now. True, but again, he was already he was playing already too. He just moved up the lineup. Yeah. The thing for me is, I'm replacing Glaber. It can be short term. I don't mind. Like I'm not worried about Noisy's long term PT because I might be moving on to somebody else anyway. That's a so really good point. It's it's not an unfair concern for you to bring up, but for the tens and twelves that I'm looking at right now, I'm not as worried about it. I'm just mm -hmm. riding the hot streak with him right now. Anyway, I still agree with you though that Kemp is is the precedent or, or the mm -hmm. the preference over yeah. Noisy. Um, and are both of them pre preferences over Chavis for you? I think if I'm looking for upside and knowing I can get a guy like Kemp on the waiver wire normally in tens and twelves. Um, I think I'm riding with Travis. Like, I, I think okay. I'm riding the hot streak. Like, what he's doing is insane and unsustainable, but Let's I'll take it. Like, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, it, it's definitely going to regress, but, like, I'm interested to see how far it regresses. Like, it, he could be utterly unplayable in a week. Sure, because um, he but, has been to his to this point in his career, but this, yeah. this I took notice of this, and that's why I brought up my We chance, know so. at least you're going to get power. Like, there yeah. is just a ton of power in the bat. Um, and you just have to love the contact he's making right now. Uh, it's a good you know, combo. It's, it's, they're definitely going to be strikeouts coming. But for right now, man, go for it. How excited are you to get back to shitting on Dansby Swanson? Whew. 
dude, what is this, man? He he had a nice – he was one stolen base short of a double-double last year, but 27 homers, nine steals, 248 average, 88 ribbies, 78 runs. That's just like solid, strong, capable shortstop or your MI if you got like a, a premium shortstop early on. Not over the top, but certainly reliable and, and believable. Who is this guy? 42% K rate, 143, 208, 224. Obviously, he'll get better than that, but I don't see any reason to still hang on to Dansby Swanson in shower leagues, and he's 87 and 84% respectively. What's going on? Why are people holding on to him? I mean, I know it's name value, but, like, what are they doing? Man, it's hard. This is I, the deepest position, though. You should not be holding Yeah, it, that's the hard part. It's, like, in, in 10s and 12s, like, there has to be better players in the waiver. Jeremy Pena is uh, 51-41%. Uh, yeah, that, Yahoo and ESPN, whenever I say that, by the way. That, that is uh, – yeah, you've got to drop him for, for Jeremy Pena. Like that's, All day. What about um, your boy, Tyro Estrada, who's 19-4? and four. Like He's super available. I, I almost prefer Tyro Estrada. I mean – You need guys that can – you need performance in shallower leagues. Like Estrada is like a super low upside play. Um and so I'd almost rather just bench Swanson and use whoever is on my bench um, than drop him for for Estrada. Like Estrada's going to play though because they are dealing with injuries left and right. The Giants are. Yeah, the, you guys, so, your your platoon capability has been cut into because um, because of that. Now he has two homers and two steals. Actually, I didn't realize Estrada's average had kind of smoothed back out. That's the problem with the small samples. I think he was hitting 280 <laughs> like two days ago, and then all of a sudden he's down to 236. Uh, but I'm not too worried about that. He's a contact guy. His batting average will go back up. Um, his just his batting average run. is going to be very Babbitt dependent. Um, yeah, he makes he makes a lot of contact, but it's it's a it's not a lot of like you're not going to see a lot of barrels from him. Um, this is Estrada uh, we're talking about, Tyro Estrada. Yeah, so, like, I, Tyro is like, a really fun kind of, really Donovan Solano-esque, you know, that's, that's to make a really comp. easy, lazy comparison. It's not even lazy. Um, I think it's perfect. It, that's exactly who he is. And so you so, know the value of of Solano. That's what Estrada's value is. I got one and, for you. Yeah. I'll finish up on Estrada. I'm so I was going to say, I don't think normally he would play this much, but um, – I think uh, because the Giants are so banged up right now, he has to play every day. Um, yeah. And so I, I think, yeah, he's a short-term kind of filler guy. I don't know that I want to drop Swanson for him because I do think Swanson's going to be fine. Um, so I, I He's going to be better than this, but I don't know if he's going to be fine, man. Like, he's striking out like crazy. He already hit a 248 last year. What if the average is like more in the 230s, 220s? Do you, do you think he's going to get all the way back up to 248? Probably not. But I, I do think he's going to be 20 plus homers and yeah, like he's not double total just throwing trash. bases. Like I, I you know, if yeah, someone I, here's a, if someone drops Swanson in my league, I'm picking him up. That, How am I okay. the one defending Dansby? Like, I know. What I was about in to say the that. world? But also, this is what I'm talking about, though. Just because you're cutting somebody doesn't mean that you're in a shower league. Doesn't mean you're out on them or you think they totally suck. Yeah. But if the rest of your team is struggling and he's part of it and he's the most cuttable guy because your other guys are all yeah. superstars, I think you need to make a move. The penny one, I would, the penny one, I would do in a second. 
Absolutely. I, I got some real love for Pena. What about your boy? Long-term friend of the show. i uh, not friend of the show. But like uh, We're a fan of his on the show. <laughs> Jorge Mateo. Oh, yeah. I'm dropping Swanson for Mateo. Um, He's at 17% and 7% respectively. Yeah. He's Especially because you get the multi-positional eligibility, which is so key in those shallower formats. Uh, yeah, he's been in especially daily moves format. So, um, yeah, I, I would I would take Mateo. Okay, P- Pena or Mateo? Still Pena? Pena, yeah. Yeah, Pena, Mateo, and then I'm with you. <laughs> Somebody just go with that person. But if you need anything breathing, Estrada can be that guy mm-hmm. in a short-term situation. Yep. All right, let's go to the outfield for a couple guys. Joey Gallo is in one of his Joey Gallo slumps. He's been here before. Um, and again, I'm just going to reiterate. I know I literally just said it, but just because you're cutting him doesn't even mean that you think he sucks, but you just might need some production right now, and he just might be your most cuttable guy. He's at 76 and 79%, doesn't have a homer yet, uh, 238 BABIP, 0% homer to fly ball, obviously, since he doesn't have any homers. I think he's going to be fine because I think he's just kind of like his, his strikeout rates where it kind of always is, walk rates there, but he's just not producing right now. Would you be interested, uh, open to cutting Joey Gallo right now in shallow format? I think I would um, because, yeah, he's going to be fine, but what is that fine batting average going to look like? It's still yeah. going to be bad. And um, something's going on with him. Like His fly ball percentage is 38% right now. Um, he was bad in New York last year too. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do the whole like he can't hack New York. I don't think it's that. But he has not been good as an as a New York player. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there is a reasonable, you know, outcome that he's just bad. Um, and I don't. I love the power, but um, the batting average is going to sink you. Um, and mm-hmm. if you're in points leagues or head day categories, like. Like these, like you can't roster a guy like this. Um, no. I just, yeah, any, yeah. any points that counts negative for strikeouts, I would never draft him. I would never, even draft like, Joey he's not even like putting up like an elite walk rate necessarily. I mean, it's 14%, but like, you know, on base percentage leagues, that's still a 256 on base percentage. Like, that is that's, that's a killer. Yeah, at least last year he had a 351 yeah. OEP with his 199 average. So it's rough out there with Gallo. Um, we'll get into some replacements here in a moment, but what about Ryan Mountcastle at 89 and 84% respectively? Mountcastle was somebody late in draft season, and I, it wasn't just the, the fence move. It was looking deeper at the plate skills and, and thinking that maybe last year was his career year, but I started to back off of him and move him down my list. Um, I'm not suggesting that I'm 100% right because of 54 plate appearances. I'm just saying I already had some caution with him, and he's off to a tough start with the 235, 278, 314 with those plate skills being exposed with a 28% strikeout rate, 4% walk rate. Is Mountcastle over-rostered at 89 and 84%? Probably. Um, I still believe in the skills, but... um, At least he has a homer, unlike Gallo. Well, Homer was like, I think, opening day. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, because um, it was one of those things, like, he had a home run, and I was like, oh, no. Like, I backed off a Mount Castle with a part change, and now I'm going to pay for this. You reverse victory <laughs> lapped yourself? Yeah. Like, I got that wrong. Well, especially because Danielle drafted him in TGFBI, so I was all like, oh, no, he's going to, like, crush for her, and I'm going to look silly. Um, 
Yeah, I, I really didn't like the part change for him, and that's the main reason I backed off. Uh, and I don't think he's any reason you have to roster him if there's a better option on your waiver wire. We're going to talk yeah. about I think there um, are some better options. quite a few that I would much rather have at this point. I think the only thing that benefits him is multi-position eligibility. Infield, outfield, too. Yeah, which is really that, nice. How yeah. nice that is. Uh, All right, well, let's talk about some replacements here and talk about if we're cutting Gallo and Mountcastle for these guys. Andrew McCutcheon. Yes. Is at 20. <laughs> I know you like him a lot, so I'm, I'm with you, too. He's at 23 and 45%. He's batting four every day, and the days he isn't against lefties, he's batting one. So he's one or four, and I think the, the best part right now for McCutcheon, uh, in addition to the playing time, I think the playing time is the best part, but the other good part is that he hasn't been uh, – actually, I'm checking my work here. Ah, never mind. He actually has gone back down against righties. I, I was going to say he started off a little bit better against them, but it's this is the problem with small samples. But he's playing every day. He's in the middle of the lineup, of a, of a solid lineup. You said yes already. But yeah, you're cutting both for McCutcheon. Um, I, I mean, I was mostly joking. Yeah, he does I think two SBs. He has two stolen bases, no home runs though. I mean, he's not he's striking hit, out. Sitting two fifty though, um, and he's not walking. Like he isn't. That, that is the weird part. Only six percent. I think it's probably a lateral move. Um, okay. Uh, and so. I would probably do it for Gallo, but not for Mountcastle. Okay. I got some others uh, that, that'll that'll wet your whistle a little yeah. more. I don't know why I said that. That sounded weird. Yeah. Uh, I'm a weird person. Jerickson Profar, is this finally the breakout? Oh, I root for him so hard, man. I just I really like Jerickson Profar. I mean, this has been like a decade in the making. He's got a couple 20, 2010 seasons. Actually, it's a 2010 and a 29 uh, back-to-back seasons in 18 and 19. This year, he's already got four homers and a steal. Equal strikeout to walk rates uh, at 16% each, 255, 388, 615. He's been excellent so far. Uh, is there some viability here with Jerkson Profar, who's playing every day and batting in the middle of San Diego's lineup? He's at uh, 48 and 57% rostered, respectively. Um, yes, there is some viability here. And how banked up the, uh, the offense of the Padres are like for all their depth on the pitching side, like they don't have the depth on the uh, on the hitting side. Uh, yeah. I think he's gonna put himself in a position where he needs to play every day and play in a decent spot in that lineup. Uh, and in a, a lot of leagues, he's multi positional eligible. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm here for this. I think I, I take him over both right now. Yeah, absolutely. Pro far over both um, over both Gallo and Mountcastle. Yeah, I mean he he should be definitely rostered in, in more leagues in like 50 percent. At um, Yahoo and ESPN, he's got first, second, and outfield. Yeah, so triple eligibility for yeah yeah. Uh, yeah I think he's an easy pickup for for all these guys. Like yeah, yeah, totally agree. And like I said, I mean his he actually his roster rate he moved up even overnight because he has been performing well. So he's not going to be as widely available. He's actually at 58 and 62 now, but go check because that, that's still a decent, a bit of a decent bit of availability. What about going back to your boys uh, on the giants here? This is a very much G man Choi esque in terms of a heavy platoon, but J- Jock, uh, Jock Peterson is batting four against righties and y'all been facing a ton of righties. So it's, 
He's up to 297, 333, 568 with three homers and a steal. Do you go for Jock over either of these guys? Similar sort of like all or nothing kind of power profile. Do you prefer the guy who's hitting right now um, over the other two? And by the way, I will say only one lefty on the docket next week with uh, Patrick Corbin. So he's only going to sit once. Jock Peterson, what do you think? Yeah. And I mean, even on the days he does face the, the Giants who face a lefty, like he's going to come into the game at some point. Uh, yeah, I think I do. Um, I've always been a Jock Peterson guy. I always thought, yeah, I thought, I, I really thought he was going to be like a, a 30 20 guy. Um, I did too, dude. I felt like I fell for his um, minor league speed. And like, I just, you know, I just love him so much, like from a personality standpoint. Um, yeah, I mean, he's not going to keep this batting average up. But if if anybody knows how to utilize hitters, um, it's the Giants. Like they yeah, right. they are they're really really good at you know figuring out how to best platoon guys and use guys. They're doing a great job early on in the season getting a lot out of him. I I do think that he is going to uh, be uh, viable, especially if you're playing in daily lineups. Like if you're in daily lineups and you can get him out of your lineup. Uh, you know, against lefties, um, he could be really, really money. So, uh, yeah, I would be dropping both Mountcastle or um, or Gallo, especially Gallo. But Mountcastle, I think, is viable for a drop there as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you on Jock Peterson for either of those guys. And then the last one was a little bit of a flavor of the week last week. Everyone kind of got excited about Taylor Ward. And I think with good cause, he's at 13-4%, and 4%, though. So it was more of a deep league rush to get Taylor Ward. Do shallow leagues need to catch up? Because this guy, Joe Madden said he's the right fielder with your boy Marsh mm-hmm. and Joe Adele being in a platoon role. Right now they're all three playing because Trout is, is nicked up. But Taylor Ward is the starting right fielder, and he's batting – two right now he started at four on his first day off the il then three and then the last three games he's been batting two is taylor ward somebody that needs to be picked up for one or both of these guys um absolutely uh he is probably my number one pickup um out of these outfielders uh and um we know there's power in that bat um but he is showing voctoian um uh, plate discipline um, and just a batting eye. Um, his O swing last year was 29%. His O swing so far this year, 19.4%. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he, he's making like league average contact in the zone, but he is just spitting on anything that, you know, isn't in the strike zone. Um, love to see that. Uh, and there, you know, there's power. And like you said, the most important thing is Joe Madden loves this guy. Yeah. He absolutely love him. He's going to play. That's a good lineup. Um, I, I like Ward a lot. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Taylor Ward. Um, I, I'm not the biggest, though, because I didn't get him anywhere because the prices were through the roof. I thought I was being aggro, pushing him up into the my, – my bids range from 65 to 90 in the leagues that I bid on him and I didn't get him anywhere. People were putting triple digits out there in our, mm-hmm. in our league. Yeah. Um, uh, Dalton, Dalton, like 180 bucks. Yeah. And like, I, he also put the 550 on, on Josh Lowe, the 555. So he is like broke. Yeah. He's broke right now, but I do love Taylor Warren. I do think there's a lot of viability here. Uh, and they're still super available in shallow leagues. I think Taylor Ward needs to be rostered 
big time. I can't believe he's only 13 and 4% at Yahoo and ESPN. Even three outfielders. This guy's batting two in an amazing lineup. Yeah. Obviously, when Trout comes back, he won't necessarily be batting two. But if he's batting three or four, but this is this is the hitter version of, of Matt Brash, right? It's like it's the unknown name mm-hmm. that people who just aren't in tune with things and aren't like following things on a day-to-day basis just don't know about. Um, and so yeah, I mean he's gonna fly under the radar to so take advantage of it now. Um, when everybody else is like, you know, starts to figure it out in a week or two. Did you get him anywhere? I didn't. I mean, it was not easy. It was, uh, yeah. He, I mean, he would, he, people got aggressive on him. Yeah. There was a, there was a lot of love in that match. I also, I'm also you? stacked in the outfield in most of my leagues. Let's be I nice, Dirk. Like, I, outfield is not my problem. Remember when so. he was a catcher eligible? Oh, that was came up as a awesome. Catcher. Yeah. That was awesome. Um, I would have, I, I would have loved to see him keep that. Just, oh my God. Just he would have gone, gone for three hundred dollars if he was catcher eligible. He would he would have been drafted. That's true. That's true. Yeah. He likely would have just been drafted, and people would have waited for him to come up uh, as mm-hmm. as a C two. That that's fair there. All right, that, those are the uh, potential cuttables here: Jose Arquiti, Anjan Ryu, Aaron Savale, two catcher leagues: Mike Zanino, one catcher leagues: Kybert Ruiz, Luke Voigt, Glaber Torres, Dansby Swanson, Joey Gallo, Ryan Mountcastle. You can start considering cutting these guys you have to be aggressive in tens and twelves or you're never getting the taylor awards or the map brashes if you just sit on your hands and wait for everybody some of these guys are going to end up being studs this year i don't know which ones that's not the point scott pianowski always makes a great point when he talks about this if you never make a mistake cutting somebody you're being too patient you're not being aggressive enough and and getting the numbers that you need and you're likely falling short in counting categories yes you'll make a mistake it's not even necessarily a mistake you know like i know if i cut luke voigt that he could be a beast he's one of my favorite players i wouldn't be surprised if he still hits 30 with his eyes closed but right now i gotta go get nathaniel Lowe mm-hmm. or Choi. i gotta go get somebody who's producing so it is a difficult situation, especially if you play a lot of deep leagues like Justin and I do, and that's why Justin said, I'm out on 12s. I don't I don't like the back and forth of having to figure out who's a cut in 15 and not in, in 12 and vice versa. So I totally get that. But a lot of folks play 10s and 12s, and you have to be aggressive and churn a particular portion of your roster if you want to win. So here's yeah. some guys there that you could possibly cut. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, what. Uh, I think we're starting to get like a little bit of coming around on shallower formats. I think for, for years we would hear people kind of in the industry and I was one of them make fun of people who played in eight and 10 team leagues and things like that. Um, But the more that I played in them because I I needed to play in them in order to give proper advice. um, uh, The more I learned, Oh, this is just a different game. It's it's in, and. My lack of success in those, like shows, like they're not easy. Um, no. you know, because league you have to make different not, decisions. Yeah, league depth does not dictate difficulty or quality. It's, yeah, they're different skills, and maybe you like to scratch the the deep ends of the pool, and so you want to be trying to like go for uh you know tyro estrada as like a key player because you're in an nl only and he's like a huge middle infielder or something. In the 10 and 12, it's just a different skill set. It's figuring yeah. out the best stars, playing the hot hands, 
different scales. And I used to be that that douche too. Or like if you're not playing in a 15 team NL Central only with guys who have an S in their name, then you're not really playing fantasy. And that was that was dildonic, very stupid of me. <laughs> and I learned that the error of my ways. All leagues have their own challenges. Eight team league, six team league, you still got major challenges there. Yes, everyone's gonna have an all-star team, but that's not what dictates quality or difficulty of a league. So yep. good luck to those who are making some cuts this week. You got to start making some tough ones. But there's plenty of players on the wire to go get. Justin, have a wonderful time at Six Flags and a good weekend. You working with Justin or Jason this weekend? We we are hopefully uh, getting together this weekend. Uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Maybe some two starts, maybe some pickups. We'll see. Sounds great. Till then, take care. Take it easy.